0: You're listening to the Bill Sunday School Podcast. Turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. It's a pretty cool passage in the Bible. Acts chapter 2. We are going to be spending a, a ton of time this morning in the book of Acts, so I would encourage you more than usual to, to open up the Bible, turn to the book of Acts. We're going to be spending some time in it. I'll give you a, another second to turn to Acts 2, and we, we have Bibles on all the tables, and, um, and so turn to Acts chapter 2, and starting in verse 17... And Peter, the, the, the thing that just happened here in Acts 2 is something pretty cool that we're going to be looking at today. It's uh, what happens at Pentecost and it's uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit being poured out on the disciples. And this thing goes down where they speak in tongues, and then other people hear them in their own language. It's a really cool but very weird story. And then Peter stands up and says, let me tell you what just happened here. This was a fulfillment of a prophecy given a very, very, very long time ago in the book of Joel. And for those of you that know where the book of Joel is, you know that it's in the Old Testament, written hundreds of years uh, before Jesus came. And Joel made a prophecy that god would pour out his spirit and peter says that's what just happened and so peter quotes this scripture from joel and here's what he says peter stands up uh and then in, in, the, in the last days god says so i'm in verse 17 of acts uh chapter 2 Let's let's pray. God, as we speak this morning, as we, as we learn, as we study your word, your scripture about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God, I pray that you will uh, set aside any, any weird things that we've heard or been taught about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Anything that is not of you, God, I, we ask that you, you set that aside from our hearts and allow us to see your word. Allow us to see in the book of Acts. The different stories of you pouring out your spirit on believers. God, we thank you for this opportunity to come together as Sunday schoolers, to look at your word, to study it, to, to see that the, the filling of the Holy Spirit is something that's awesome. It's a gift from you. And, and God, give us a desire this morning to seek after you, to ask for your filling. So God, we love you. We praise you. And everybody screamed. Amen. Amen. Pretty good scream today. Um. My baptism of the Holy Spirit (coughs) story is, uh, I think, pretty cool. I'm going to give you my experience. And and not that we should um, learn from experience alone, but we should test it with the Word of God. And we're going to be doing a lot of testing with the Word of God this morning. But I was saved in high school. I became a Christian in high school. And I know that I know that I know that the Holy Spirit was living inside of me because some pretty big things changed when I became a Christian. This conviction of the Holy Spirit was was in my life. I know that <clears throat> excuse me, before I was saved, I would make fun of people or do something or get in an argument would say my parents and i would say things that that were hurtful and before i was saved i would just think eh, they'll get over it no big deal and i didn't have this conviction of what i just said what i just did was very wrong until i was saved once i was saved and made this decision to follow christ a conviction came over me and i even the smallest things even like just like hitting my brother in the head you know no big deal whereas before when i was saved it was like ah, he'll get over it <laughs> what's one bruise <laughs> when I got saved, I was like, oh man, I did something wrong. I offended him. I hurt uh, someone. I, in arguments with my parents, I shouldn't have said that, and I would go and apologize. And that was a, a day-night difference, night-day difference between what I was and what I had become, this idea of, of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But for me, it wasn't until college. So I was saved in high school, it wasn't until college where I, I went to this church for over the course of this summer. I kind of visited the, uh, my friend who lived in another city and I went to his church and I got to be an intern at this this church. It was very charismatic. And for me... All this charismatic stuff was brand spanking new. And even like the idea of lifting your hands in church was like brand new. It was very like, whoa, what are, why are people lifting their hands? Why are they doing that? Um, what's this ho- baptism of the Holy Spirit? I kept her- hearing this phrase. And I'm the kind of person that really uh, loves to research, loves to study And so I found every scripture I could in the Bible about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I researched, I found, okay, in the the New Testament, people are filled with the Holy Spirit. And and sometimes there's this gift of tongues. I don't know what that is. But um, I know that this is a good thing. It's in scripture. And so I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, And so on a a certain Sunday at this charismatic church, I went forward and I asked the pastor to pray for me. I said, uh, I'd like to this baptism Holy Spirit thing I I want that (laughs) I didn't didn't really know how to say it but I said said something like I want the baptism Holy Spirit and he he did something kind of weird but I look back and it's not that weird compared to all things and he pulled out this like little card like a like a business card and on it was like this little prayer. (laughs) And he said, okay, just, just repeat after me. And it wasn't the, it wasn't the weirdest thing in the world. It it, it was like just a prayer. I can't remember exactly, but it said something like, I want the Holy Spirit. And then I would repeat back, I want the Holy Spirit. I want him to fill me up and live in my life. I want him to fill me up and live in my life. And so I repeated this little prayer. And then after it was done, he said, okay, you can speak in tongues now if you want. (laughs) I kind of like looked at him, like, uh, like what do I, I don't, what do I do? What does that mean? And I really didn't know. And I felt weird. And I was at the front of the church, and I was like, are people looking at me? I just felt. I, if I'm sure some of you have felt like that in church before. Like you feel out of place. You're not sure what you're doing. No one's looking at you, but you feel like people are looking at you. And that's how I felt. And I just wasn't sure. So I just kind of just knelt down and kind of prayed. And I was like, that that I, was that it. Was is that what I was praying for? And. Later that week, I was like, maybe that was, maybe it wasn't. I want to get prayed for again. And so the the very next Sunday, same thing went forward. I said, uh, I want to I want to speak in tongues and and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, like like it talks about in the New Testament. So same thing. Guy pulls out that little business card. <laughs> he he prays the prayer. I kind of repeat it. And then I think he just noticed that I was maybe looked nervous. I don't know. And he said, Joe, why don't you go into the next room? We had this. There was a prayer chapel attached to the the church. And so why don't you just go in there and just, and just you and God, why don't you just pray? I think God may want to give you a gift. And so I just went into the next room all by myself, sat down in, the, in this little prayer chapel, a little room, sat there and just started praying. Um, just God, I want to receive the Holy Spirit like it, like it talks about. I want to receive the, the gift of tongues, other gifts. And, and, and sitting there, I just decided, okay, I'm I'm going to, pretend like I know what I'm doing, and uh, I'm just going to start saying syllables and words, uh, like babble, nonsense words. I'm just going to start praying in all seriousness, like pray to God with kind of a nonsense kind of babble. And I started doing that, and... um, I just had a feeling like, oh wow, the presence of God is here, and and I'd had that feeling many times before in my Christian life. The presence of God, like, oh this this feels good. I don't even want to move. I just wanna, just want I don't want this to go away. I just feel God, and and for for me, that's what that moment was, and I just felt the presence of God. And I had felt God before like that, but in this moment, I just felt the presence of God, and. And and so after that, after that time, I was still like, well, was that, was that all it really is? Is that, is that speaking in tongues? And I remember not telling anyone because I didn't, I wasn't sure if that's what that was. I wasn't sure if that was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I wasn't sure if I was really speaking in tongues right. So I just kind of kept it to myself. And as the weeks and months progressed, and I kept uh, just praying in my own prayer language, just kind of nonsense babbling but praying with all seriousness to god and and opening myself up to him i was like i think this really is it i this is the baptism of the holy spirit and so later i I called my friend and said hey i remember that sunday a long time ago when i was prayed for well i think i got it because i i kind of spoke in tongues then and now i know that you know as i'm growing i I realize that I, i had a moment with god and i don't know what exactly that was but it was pretty cool so that's my baptism of the holy spirit story That's about all I got. Um, Okay, we are going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to take it slow. I know we keep sharing these testimonies. Uh, In fact, at the end of Sunday School, we want to save time for one more. Courtney McCarroll is going to share her baptism of the Holy Spirit testimony. But we're going to spend some serious amount of time looking at Scripture today. So I hope you're ready to do that. Uh, Before we do that, some announcements. Uh, If you're newish to Mill Sunday School, we have these cool little cards. It says... uh, Get school. The Mill Sunday School. You could fill one of these out. Give it to me, or the nice people on the back as you leave. We'll give you a visitor CD. It's got some songs and a and a welcome sermon on it for you. If you're newish, we want to give that to you. And uh, let's see. Oh, other announcements. We're meeting. Uh, all every Sunday at, at nine thirty uh, there 's some like this friday there 's no mill this friday because we 're going to thorn, but we 'll have the mill Sunday school, so come come next Sunday Sunday after that I believe is uh, Easter Sunday, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after, and we will be meeting at the same time nine thirty and, and so you can come to you can either go to the eight o 'clock service um, and then come to Sunday school or you can come to Sunday school, uh, hang out for a little while, and then go get uh, your seat. For the 12 o'clock service for Easter. So that's just a little heads up in the weeks to come. But um, yeah, that's all the announcements I got. Are you ready to study baptism? Okay, let's take it slow. Let's, let's dive into, in your notes, the first point is water baptism. I thought we should talk about water baptism first, because everyone—not everyone, I don't, I don't want to— if you're not familiar with it, to say that. But Christians are much more familiar with water baptism. How many of you, just out of curiosity, have been water baptized? Lots and lots of you have. That's pretty cool. Water baptism, in the Greek, uh, the word baptizo, in the Greek, means to submerge, to bring something underwater. So if you're watching, washing your dishes and you go to rinse them, if you were in Greece, you would say, I am baptismo my dishes. That's what you would say. That's what the Greek word is, to submerge something uh, with this context of, of water, with this context of, of cleaning. And this idea of baptism is not new to the Christian religion. It kind of comes from, um, well, it, it, all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all start out with, with John the Baptist baptizing people in the River Jordan, and, and that idea of baptism wasn't that new there? There was this Jewish idea of the uh, let me get the word right, the mikvah, which is it's kind of talked about in Numbers 19. If you ever want to study baptism and jewish ceremonial washings and the rites you would read all of numbers 19 and find out that even in the very old days of the old testament numbers 19 people were washing uh emerging themselves either sprinkling sprinkling or cleansing themselves with water in a spiritual manner to cleanse themselves of some sort of mistake or spiritual uncleanliness and so the idea of baptism being submerged comes kind of i don't i don't want to use the word evolved but i, don't, I have another word but evolved from this jewish idea of of cleansing a spiritual cleansing and as as the New Testament rolls around, John is baptizing people for the forgiveness of their sins. And then Jesus comes along and, and he says he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and uh, and with fire. And, and his disciples baptize other people. And when you become a believer in the New Testament, you become a believer and then what immediately happens? You, you just get baptized. It's a very normal response to becoming a believer in the New Testament. You become a believer, then you get baptized. Like it almost seems like it's like right on the spot. Like, I believe, and then someone throws a cup of water at you. Um, Not that that, in my mind, that's how I see it, because it's so closely related to, you become a believer, and then you get baptized again, and again, and again. Uh, It happens so much, and I would encourage you with water baptism, before we dive into Holy Spirit baptism, if you haven't been water baptized, I might just pressure you a little bit and say, um, it's it's, it's something that Jesus calls us to do. The Great Commission in Matthew, the end of Matthew says, go make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All throughout the New Testament, you become a believer, then you get baptized. It's a, it's a normal experience. It's a normal set of events. And if you haven't been baptized, um, I know that I was, was, I I would say the same thing to myself. In high school, I became a Christian, like I said, and I wasn't water baptized until years later, I think four years later, because my church, it was like a youth group and we didn't really do baptisms in the youth group. And I... I knew that baptism wasn't for salvation, so I knew I didn't have to get baptized to be saved. And so it wasn't until I went to the small group and somebody was like, dude, you haven't been baptized? And they were almost like, what's wrong with you? Are you what? Duh, why haven't you been? They were just so surprised. And they're like, you know, Jesus commands it. You know, it's like part of a normal Christian life, and my argument was, oh, you don't need it for salvation, and he was like, of course, you don't need it for salvation, but don't you want to obey Christ, and don't you want to just be a part of this community of Christ, and, you know, get water baptized, get your picture taken, everybody's celebrating that, you know, you're, you're a believer, and I was like, yeah, I guess I do, and so I was baptized, and so I would just encourage you, get water baptized. If you're looking for a chance, um, Easter Sunday night, the night service of Easter, we always do water baptisms, and it's a big water baptism celebration service. So if you're thinking about it, I would just pressure you to to get water baptized, because it's cool. It's not part of salvation. It doesn't mean you're saved if you get water baptized, but anyways, that's water baptism. So this idea of immersing water baptism, immersing in water, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, immersing in the Holy Spirit. Those same kind of ideas apply to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They're, we're being immersed in the Holy Spirit. And I, I want to give you two definitions of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They're both kind of long, and so I would, I would tell you not to write them down, because you, you'll be stuck somewhere halfway through, because it's a long definition. This first one, if you want to go and look at it later, it comes from about.com. It's a website that just tells you about things. So, about.com, I looked up the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it said, The baptism of the Holy Spirit is understood to be a second baptism in fire or power spoken of by Jesus. Specifically, it refers to the experience of believers on the day of Pentecost, described in the book of Acts. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a distinct and separate experience from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that occurs at salvation. And whoever wrote that definition, for about dot com, really, they they made it a point to say it's a second experience other than salvation, and and while while many people would agree with that, other charismatics, people that believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, may disagree with that, and they say, well, maybe it's not a second experience, maybe it doesn't have to be secondary for salvation, maybe you could get the Holy Spirit baptized in the Holy Spirit, be filled with gifts, act in the gifts at the moment of your salvation. And I'm sure some of you in here probably have that testimony where you be- became a believer, the day you became a believer is the day you know, you know, you know, you got the Holy Spirit because maybe you had some gifts that you started operating in. And, and so and so I would, I, would, I would say this definition is good, but I would hesitate to use it as our definition saying that it doesn't have to be a second experience. And we're going to look at some scriptures today where it, it may not be a second experience. It may happen at the moment of salvation. So... Another definition, this one comes from the Oxford Dictionary. And this one says, Baptism uh, of the Holy Spirit, a doctrine known best in its Pentecostal form. Pentecostals generally, generally claim that the believer is empowered for Christian witness through a unique action. Distinct from conversion, uh, it's distinct from conversion or sacramental baptism. Uh, Pentecostals maintain that as the Holy Spirit fell on the first apostles, so those summoned to uh, be likewise, will be filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit, and that the normal outward sign of this baptism is the speaking of tongues. And, and I, would, I would once again say uh, that this definition is saying, oh, if, you, if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, then it's just normal, you're going to speak in tongues. And I would argue with that and say, well, from Scripture, there's, we're going to look at some places where someone's baptized in the Holy Spirit and it doesn't, doesn't quite say that they spoke in tongues or it says a different thing happened. And and so I would hesitate to say that it has to be a second experience. I would hesitate to say you have to speak in tongues to to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which, um, which brings us to this final definition, which is by far the shortest definition. And it has its, its, it's, it's, I don't know. It's it's good because it's short, but then you could say, oh, it doesn't really explain much. But for whatever it is, it's on. I put this one on the back of your uh, on the back of your skillet. It's uh, by Wayne Grudem, and Wayne Grudem wrote this really really thick systematic theological textbook. Wayne Grudem teaches at the University of uh, where does he teach? teaches at Phoenix Seminary, he is a charismatic, and he wrote this huge systematic theology textbook, and at the end he gives definitions, and his definition for the baptism of the Holy Spirit that I printed on your skillet notes is, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a phrase in the New Testament used to speak of coming into the new covenant prayer, excuse me, power of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is just a phrase used in the New Testament to speak of coming into the new covenant prayer of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, coming into power, this new covenant, just this Holy Spirit comes, we come into power with the Holy Spirit when we're baptized into the Holy Spirit. And I like that definition a lot, because there's not much here to disagree with. It doesn't say you have to speak in tongues. It doesn't say it's a second experience. It doesn't say there's oh, there's laying on of hands. It doesn't say what you'll have to do or what it looks like. It just says it's it's a phrase used to speak of coming into the new, co- new covenant power of the Holy Spirit. So that's the definition we're going to kind of use right now uh, as we look at several passages of scripture. And, and the exercise we're about to do, I hope, will be awesome. I've been Working on this all week, and I have never uh, done this before it's, it's that there's so let me let me start over There's there 's five passages in the book of Acts, so the book of Acts is the story of the Acts of the Apostles and them going about uh, what is today the, the kind of the Mediterranean area and, and spreading the good news of Jesus Christ, and they witness things and they see things and they minister to people and they see uh, it 's recorded five times there 's one two, three four, five. Baptism of the Holy Spirit narratives in the book of Acts. And we're going to look at every single one of those narratives. So there's a story about Pentecost. There's a story about uh, Philip and Samaria. And we're going to look at those. And what we're going to do is inductively study the scripture. Inductive versus deductive is, is. is kind of cool. The difference is cool. Deductive, with the D, means you have this idea, then you go to scripture, then you see the idea, and you're like, yes, this idea is clearly here. Inductive, with the I, inductive, means you look at scripture first. And so we're just going to look at scripture, we're going to organize scripture, we're actually going to do a little chart, make a chart of scripture, and then we're going to talk about it and say, what can we conclude? What can we get from uh, looking at this scripture? So, Here's what we're going to do. Everybody on your, on your tables should have a little chart like this. Do you have a little chart like this? Um, and in the back, I, I think, Dan, if you want to hand some of those out to the to the peeps that are not at tables, um, you can do that. And I would encourage you, if your table's small, or if, you, if you're not sitting at a table, to, to jump in with another table. And to, this is going to take a little bit of time here to, to look at these individual passages and come to some conclusion, conclusions. And so if you look at your chart... Uh, get to a place where you can kind of see the chart. There's basically one, two, three, four, five stories going down. Pentecost, Philip at Samaria, Paul's conversion, Peter at Cornelius' house, and Paul finds some disciples in Ephesus. And then the passage of where that story is located. And so what I want you to do is, is to go one at a time, look at the passages and say, okay, was there water baptism before or after this Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And then if there was, say yes before or after in this first box. And then go to the next uh, question about that passage and say, was there laying on of hands? Did someone pray for someone else? Did they put their hand on them and pray for them? Um, Yes or no? And then going across, the next box in the chart is what— and this one's confusing, so everybody pay attention to this one. Um, What is the action word of the Holy Spirit? Does it say the Holy Spirit filled them? Does it say the Holy Spirit came upon does it say that they received the Holy Spirit? What's the what's the word wordage used for what, what the Holy Spirit did? And finally, the, the last chart is what evidence was seen that the Holy Spirit acted upon them. So, for instance, did they speak in tongues? Did they not speak in tongues? Did they prophesy? Did they not prophesy? What happened after this narrative to say to to, to say, oh, they, they they had the Holy Spirit because. You, usually, something happens. Not always, though. So, pay attention to that. Don't you don't have to look too far if if something didn't happen as far, as far as evidence. So, there's five passages. That's quite a few. So, um, look up here. If you're in the the very front-ish, maybe like these four-ish tables, five-ish tables, you guys start with Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. If you're, say, a little further back, maybe like that next row of tables, start in, uh, do Philip and Samaria, Acts chapter 8 first and then you can go from there if you're in the the middle of the tables like maybe say the, i guess it'd be kind of because there's a bunch of tables missing here say the back back middle start with acts chapter 9 and you as the table can decide kind of where you're at if you're in the very far back start in acts chapter 19 and if you're not in the very very farthest back start in acts chapter 10 at peter at cornelius's house so that every group so that we have a representative at least from every one of these and then after you're done with yours go down. So do the one after it. Do you understand what's going on here? Okay. Hopefully I explained it well enough. Ready, get set, go. All right, everybody. Let's, um, I know you're probably still, a lot of you are probably still working, especially those of you that had longer passages uh, may still be working. But Uh, Let's go over this chart together and look at each and every one of the five passages in the book of Acts where the baptism of the Holy Spirit um, seems to go down. It's a narrative, a story of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And and so uh, let's go from the the beginning, uh, start at the first part of the book of Acts, and we're going to go all the way to chapter 19, each of these five stories. So, Pentecost— the first story of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, the first question w- was water baptism—were the people getting the Holy Spirit, were they baptized before or after this event? Yes. No. Maybe. Neither. I would say question mark, which hopefully shows up up there, question mark and a, and a yes. Maybe another question mark. The people getting baptized in the—in the. In the in the story of Pentecost, where the 120 disciples, that the 12 disciples of Jesus, plus other followers, says there was 120 of them, and they were waiting in Jerusalem for the for the coming of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So we could assume that they were baptized, but it doesn't directly say. So there's question marks. We could kind of assume yes. So that's, they, were, they may have been water baptized before. We're not totally sure. Did anyone lay hands on the people that received the Holy Spirit? no. They just, it it says in scripture that um, what looked like tongues of fire separated and descended on them. And then they spoke in other languages and people all, so this is going down in Jerusalem. It's, It's a fascinating story in Acts chapter two that you should definitely read later if you're not familiar with it. It's a very weird story, but a very cool story where something happens Tongues, it's even the person writing it doesn't even, not even sure what is exactly going on because it says something like tongues of fire, whatever that means. It's like a wiggling red tongue with fire on it. I don't know. What's that? Who knows? The author didn't even know. He, he just said what looked like tongues of fire, separated, descended on them. And then they started speaking in Babel or just in other people's languages. And they heard them as if they were native speakers. Interesting. So no hands. Did anyone, uh, what, what's the word used? Were they filled? Sat, the Holy Spirit did what? Sat upon and filled. All right, I'll put, I'll put all that. Sat upon and filled. The Holy Spirit sat upon and filled. All right, I didn't get the sat upon my first look through, but whatever. And then what's the evidence in Acts chapter 2? evidence is the speaking of tongues and unknown languages or languages that they have not yet learned. Okay, the next story is Philip in Samaria. Philip in in Acts chapter 8, Philip is one of the disciples of Jesus, one of the 12. He goes to Samaria and uh, converts some believers and and then they become believers, and then Peter and John are just fascinated. Oh, wow, there's actually believers that are not Jewish, and, and it's Samaria of all places. So they go down there, and uh, there's a narrative of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, where that, Does it say whether or not they're baptized with water? Yes, it does. It says they're baptized before, so we can put before. And uh, was there laying on of hands by Peter and John? Yes, it clearly says that there, there was, they laid their hands on them, which is just like when I lay hands on people to pray for them, it's usually just like I put my hand on their shoulder. Um, let's see. Yes, there's laying on of hands. What's the word used? Yeah, received. Received. I before e except after see. They rec- and it, it just says they uh, received the Holy Spirit. So that lingo, <clears throat> excuse me. Seems different, uh, but it seems like the same kind of thing going down. Uh, And one time they're filled with the Holy Spirit, another time it says they received the Holy Spirit. Is that the same thing going down? Uh, We'll see. We'll we'll just look at this and see what, what goes down. And then what evidence is there that they received the Holy Spirit? No one's saying anything because there's kind of a question mark. It doesn't talk about. It says they received the Holy Spirit, but then unlike other examples in the book of Acts, it doesn't say they spoke in tongues. It doesn't say they prophesied. It doesn't say anything really. And so what, what was there any evidence? Maybe, maybe not. We could assume so. We could assume not. We just don't know. Question mark. So the, the next one, Paul's conversion. Paul's conversion is, is fascinating. Paul is <clears throat> on his way to torture Christians. He was not yet a Christian himself. He was a Jewish person, and he was adamantly opposed to Christianity. So he took a little uh, road trip from Jerusalem to Damascus to go up there just to punish Christians for being Christians, because he's Jewish. And on the way, he gets struck down. He hears a, a voice from God. He sees a bright shining light, and it's Jesus appears to him. And he, he's, he's blinded. He's, he's led to someone's house. And then there's a story of Ananias, who hears from God, go visit this man named Paul, he's a brand new convert, and he you, you're going to pray over him. And, and so that story is kind of Paul's being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, do we know if Paul is baptized before or after the wa- his water baptized, before or after his spirit baptism? Yeah, we could assume afterwards. Actually, it says after. So after, it says it, he's ba- he's. Um, let's see. Was there laying out of hands? Yes, there was. Ananias lays his hand on Paul, which is interesting because it doesn't even say he prayed for Paul. He just, it says, he laid his hand on him. And then it says he was, uh, what's the word used? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. And then what is the evidence? A scale fell off his eyes. I don't know what that means, but that sounds pretty cool. Scale off the eyes and if you remember right in in the story itself paul is blinded by this bright light he's blind he can't see for three days and then when when ananias puts his hand on paul like i don't know if it's literal or figurative or spiritual i don't know it doesn't really say but something like scales falls off paul's eyes and that's the evidence that paul is filled with the holy spirit it's kind of different than speaking in tongues but whatever so, moving right along, we got two more to go. Uh, Peter at Cornelius' house. This is, <clears throat> in my opinion, one of the coolest stories. Because Peter goes to this non-Jewish person's house, Cornelius' house. He happens to be a centurion. And he has a big house, and I imagine there were some servants there and a little group of people. Peter is, uh, is just talking to them. And then what happens? They start speaking in tongues. It's a crazy story. You should read it for yourself sometime. So, answering some questions here. Were they baptized with water before or after? After? Wait, I think I messed up on this one. I put water baptism, just the word yes? What does that mean? Up here. I'm going to go back and say, put the word before. Before. Question mark. Right? Okay, anyways. Anyways. Getting back to the back on track, Peter uh, starts speaking to them. Does he lay his hands on them and they start being filled with the Holy Spirit? No, it's just like this. It's just like Peter speaking the truth about God, and it says that the Holy Spirit came on them, which we'll get to in a second. So, no hands. The word I just gave it to you. The Holy Spirit came on, right. The Holy Spirit came on them. And what is the evidence that the Holy Spirit came on them? Two things. Did you did you get this one? It's speaking in tongues and praising God. Am I spelling tongues correctly? No one knows, huh? We don't spell anymore. There's no, there's, we don't need it. We got spell check. There's no spell check on the whiteboard though. Poor me. So they started speaking in tongues and praising God in this meeting. Isn't that fascinating to you? I mean, there's, there's, there's no formula for how this thing has to go down. This baptism of the Holy Spirit has to go down. Okay, the very last one. Uh, Paul goes to Ephesus. Ephesus is quite a ways away from Jerusalem. It's in what is today Turkey. And he hasn't been there before, which is kind of weird, interesting. And he just finds—or maybe he has been there before— but he he just finds some people that are disciples of Jesus, are, are, are disciples of something. They're believers. He, he rolls up on them, and, and he says, oh, you guys are, you guys are followers. What, what is the exact word? Maybe disciples. Paul's in Corinth. He uh, found some disciples— and he he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no. We haven't even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. And Paul's like, what? What's wrong with you guys? Uh, and so Paul asked, well, then what baptism did you receive? And they said, John's baptism. And Paul's like, dude, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told people that there's one coming after him named Jesus. Upon hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. I assume water baptized. And then it says, uh, And then it says, so so that they were definitely baptized before, water baptized before. And then it says, and then Paul laid his hands on them. So yes, there is laying of hands. And then the word used is what? Once again, Paul, Paul placed his hands on them and the Holy Spirit came on them. So another came on. Holy Spirit came on them. And then finally, they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. That's the evidence in this narrative. And so uh, tongues and prophesied. Can you kind of read that up there? Hopefully it's better than, I'm sure you can't read it at all up here because it's tiny little handwriting, but up there. And as I was, as I went through it, hopefully you filled out your chart. So let's, let's look at this for a second and and make some conclusions. Um, let's, let's do some myth busting on your notes. is uh, some myths I have about the myths of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Anybody like myth busters? Yes. Thank goodness. I was talking to somebody this last week, and he was like, Mythbusters, their science is so poor. And I just wanted to punch him in the face. It's like, Mythbusters the best thing that's ever happened to science. <laughs> Anyways, I'm uh, <laughs> just kidding. I don't like punching people in the face. Uh, so we're going to mythbust some of these myths about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Myth number one, you have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to have the Holy Spirit. And I think there, there's lots of verses we could, we could say uh, to bust this myth. But um, wh- one of the ones that comes to my mind is uh, Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, this is before Pentecost of, of Acts chapter 2. You could look at this later, but in John 20, verse 22, you could write that down and look at it if you're interested later. John 20, verse 22, it says that Jesus blew on his disciples and and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So we could assume that this, the, the disciples had the Holy Spirit and yet something different happens to them at Pentecost. So this first myth that you only have the Holy Spirit if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit is just not true. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, living in you from salvation. Here's one more verse if you want to write it down. Ephesians 1.13 says, You were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So you believe, you get the seal, the promise, the Holy Spirit. Got it? So that myth should be, should be busted. If someone has ever told you, oh, you're, you're not truly— Some people say the silliest things. They'll say you're not saved if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Clearly, clearly not true. They, they'll say you, you don't have the Holy Spirit if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Clearly not true. You can have the Holy Spirit. You just might not be operating in some of the gifts if you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit. So anyways, we'll get to that in a second. Myth number two, you have to get prayed for and hands laid on you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Looking at this, is that myth busted? Yes, myth is busted. Acts 2, that no one laid their hands on them. Acts 10, a cool story of Peter just speaking and, and, and some of them where uh, the Holy Spirit came on them. They spoke in tongues and prophesied. So hands, prayer, not necessary. Uh, let's see, the next myth... Fifth three, you have to speak in tongues to know that you have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at the evidence of the Holy Spirit on this chart here. How many times is tongues mentioned? One, two, three out of the five times. Acts chapter 8 has the story where no evidence is clearly talked about. It's just not talked about. Paul, in verse 9, his scales fell off his eyes. But something interesting here is we do know that Paul did speak in tongues because Acts... Uh, what is it? Acts uh, fourteen eighteen. Excuse me. First Corinthians fourteen eighteen says Paul speaks in tongues. He's, he's glad he speaks in tongues more than anyone. So he's, he's like bragging or something about how much he speaks in tongues. So he does speak in tongues, but potentially not at this moment because it's not talked about. We don't know. And and then I always like to mention, what if someone in the group? It says this group of people, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and were praising God. What if? All of them were speaking in tongues, but maybe just one of them was praising God. Would you say that person didn 't receive the coming on of the Holy Spirit? No, it just said they were praising God duh um, and then the last one um, in Ephesus it says that the evidence was that they spoke in tongues and prophesied, and so what if some of them were just prophesying others were speaking in tongues so tongues. Hopefully this myth should be busted that you don't have to speak in tongues to know that you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit just by looking at the, the verses themselves. Two of the five don't have speaking in tongues. And we, and we would assume that they were actually truly filled with the Holy Spirit. kind of says that. So anyways, all leading to myth number four. The baptism of the Holy Spirit has to be this awesome and obvious experience. And what I mean by that is sometimes I, I just know that we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit as this awesome moment that, you know, you have to, it has to line up with this and you have to speak in tongues and you have to do this and that. And it has to be clearly obvious. And, and to that, I would say, okay, we're looking at these words used. The Holy Spirit filled, received. They received the Holy Spirit they filled. Holy Spirit came on them. Holy Spirit came on them. At no point during, like, the narrative itself does it say, and this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We kind of talk about that in hindsight. We would say, oh yeah, that, that's Holy Spirit baptism narratives. But in the moment, it's just they received the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came on them. Um, the Holy Spirit just ascended on them. And it was awesome and it was cool. But it wasn't like this experience that... that um, I don't know, I think what I want to say is c- compare it. Like I have some, some friends that don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And if I ask them, can I pray for you to receive the power of the Holy Spirit and fire and you'll speak in tongues right now and Gah! they would be like, dude, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm not, you know, I don't believe in that stuff. But if I ask them just in, in the way scripture words it, c- can I pray for you that you might be filled with the Holy Spirit? What would they? What would they say to that? They'd say, "Yeah, sure, I'll, I'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why not?" Um, and so, the words we choose to use, I think, are are, are important. That that this huge experience of of you know you, you may you may have this experience in your mind for some of you that haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit of what it has to look like. And to that, I would just say, let's let's just look at it as Scripture says. And, and just pray for it as Scripture talks about that you might be filled with the Holy Spirit, that you might grow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so, hopefully, um, uh, Courtney, why don't you come up here and share your testimony? She's got a really cool, uh, just a very simple, easy to explain baptism of the Holy Spirit testimony that I wanted her to share. And I hope to to create a moment after after she shares where I'll just, I'll just pray over all of us corporately, and and, and we'll. Um, well, I'll just pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's a very normal um, thing in the New Testament that will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then provide a time, if you want individual prayer, if you, if you just want me to pray over you and lay hands, like some of the examples do have the laying on of hands, I'll just put my hand on your shoulder and I'll ask God to fill you up. And that, it's it, no huge expectations of this awesome, um, this obvious experience, but just a, just a, a growing in the Holy Spirit. So, um, Courtney McCarroll, she's really cool. She yeah, is uh, really? our Mill uh, Events Director of Awesomeness. And, uh, and so she told me her testimony of the baptism of the Holy Spirit this week. And I thought, it really applies to this, this talk. And so, Courtney.
1: Hello. <laughs> um, I just to give you a little bit of background. I did grow up in a church that was very charismatic, um, where all the gifts were really practiced and talked about and open. So speaking in tongues was talked about just as much as giving or prophecy or anything else. Um, It it wasn't given any special favor where people (laughs) were going crazy and just speaking all the time, Um, but it was just common. So, uh, and something that Joe talked about earlier is what my church did just with um, praying to receive the Holy Spirit really at the time of salvation. So it was just common when someone uh, would come up to the front of the altar and ask for Jesus to come into their heart, that they would also be asked. It was kind of like one-stop shopping almost of just while you're here, you might as well um, just be given yes. the really everything that the Holy Spirit has for you. Um, so that is something that I, I don't remember the exact moment, really when I was young being prayed over, being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a day that I can go back to and describe to you. Um, but I do know that it is something that, with salvation, I received right then. And someone asked me if I wanted that, and I said yes. Um, however, fast forward up into my um, the year after I graduated, so I'm about 18 at this point. And um, one of the pastors at my church, she had written a book about baptism of the Holy Spirit. So, went through all of scripture and talked about um, really why it's relevant, why it's good, why it's still active and something that's still a part of the church. Um, And also her son was in my youth group. So I was helping lead at this point at the youth group. And so she just wanted to be something that the leaders of the youth group knew about and could talk about and could be um, active in. So she held a little class just for about 10 or 15 girls. And it was very... It was just kind of this setting with a the classroom. that There was a whiteboard. There were chairs. We were sitting down. And um, she just went through the whole book. It probably took about an hour or so. And at the beginning, she did just pray. And she just said, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Um, do what you would have with us and really just have your way here. And um, if that involves speaking in tongues, then so be it, um, that we would be open to that. Uh, so through the class and by the way this I think I said this already but it was very normal it was just a classroom set there were not it wasn't dimly lit there were not candles there was not like Enya music playing in the background or anything um, but then uh, we towards the end we had our heads down we were just praying and we had just looked over all of scripture and saw how relevant this was and how normal this was um, and she while she was praying for us she just said I think there's some of you here who have received your spirit language or um your tongue language, really, whatever you'd want to call it. And I just want you to step out in faith and just pray in that. So um, myself and a few other girls, we did just start speaking in tongues and just started praying. And about 20 or 30 seconds later, she just said, okay, stop. And we all stopped. And the reason she did that was so that we would know we weren't in a trance. It was not something that our bodies were overtaken and we just started speaking in this crazy language, but um, that we were in control that it is a gift of the Holy Spirit, but we're ultimately the facilitator of that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I so appreciated that and love that she would do that, just so we would know firsthand that this is not— it it is kind of weird, but it's not crazy weird. Mm -hmm. Um, And the main things that I see just with my story, and then I kind of see parallels with, like, Daniel and Aaron Mm -hmm. and Joe, um, that first of all, it was done in a really safe atmosphere. It was a place where— we were with a leader who we trusted and even though there was an element of it just being unfamiliar, it didn't feel unsafe. It felt very healthy. Um, And also that we were just willing. We were open and we weren't at all forced. It was not like um, someone came up and just kind of hit us on the forehead like I think I have seen on TV before. But um, it was that we were ready and we were willing and we wanted this. And that is when the Lord showed up and gave it to us. So that is my story. That's
0: good. Let's thank Courtney for sharing that. Well, that, uh, that story is just a good place for us to, to close. I just want to pray over us corporately that, that we'll be open for the filling of the Holy Spirit. And so, God, we, we come to you now. And, Holy Spirit, we thank you for the gifts that you can give us. We thank you that we can be filled up with your Spirit. God, I thank you that you, you Holy Spirit, you, you dwell inside of all those that are believers. We thank you for living inside of us, convicting us, showing us things uh, that are of yourself, directing us. And, and Father, Holy Spirit, Jesus, we, we ask you right now to fill us up with your Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you come on us? May we receive you at, at a greater level. God, we just use the words talked about in the book of Acts. We ask for your filling we ask you to fill us up to the brim with who you are. God, we pray that today may be a new day for some of us. That we may act out in, in, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That we may grow in, in speaking in tongues, in praising you, in, in prophecy. That we may begin to be open in, with these gifts. that We may be open for your direction. So, so Holy Spirit, we, we just ask you for your filling. We thank you that you have the power to fill us up, to change us, to to anoint us for your will. So we love you, God. We leave here praising you, knowing that that you have all things, you work all things together for your good, for your glory. So we love you and we praise you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, everybody, you're uh, officially dismissed. Next time in Sunday school, we will talk specifically about tongues which will be fun. And uh, this Sunday in the main service, we have the pleasure of hearing from our pastor, Aaron Stern. So, peace out. Have a great week.